Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. <clears throat> let's uh, let's drop the needle. All right, you you ready? Do you do you want to get into this? Oh yeah, y'all. Here we go. What, what? It's your boy Luke in the house. <laughs> this is a, a podcast about bad radio DJs. Bad intros. Welcome to the bad intro hour. One hour of all bad intros. That was the first one. Get ready for 200 more. We don't waste time. We get right into oh, it. Welcome, folks, friends, Romans, countrymen. All of the above. This is, uh, this is Scooby Dudes. Welcome to Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast about... Scooby-Doo with these two dudes. These two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Welcome to to episode one. If you're a first-time listener, you should probably go check out some of our later episodes first when we hit our stride. (laughs) They're they're much better. (laughs) They're way better. What are you doing? This isn't how you do podcasts. This isn't narrative. My name is Evan, sitting across from me in Minnesota. Yeah, coming at you from the Twin Cities. My name is Luke. Yeah, and Evan, you're, uh, you're in Toronto right now t dot hogtown the six far apart but together via scooby-doo bringing people together since 1969 honestly i hope you're still listening right now i hope you're not go listen to one of the other episodes what the heck how long does it take stop telling them to do that now if you've listened to some more other episodes you can come back to this one yeah just pause this one wait a week wait a week for the next episode to come out listen to that one and then come back. <laughs> Even if this is the only episode, stop, wait a week. I can't decide if I love this as the beginning to our podcast or if I hate it. <laughs> oh, yep. So let's let's talk a little bit about, since this is episode one, why are we doing this? I mean, like, why should we be the ones talking about it when there are so many other more qualified people to, to do this? There, there might not be. Uh, for example, let me just introduce the fact that I, a grown man, Enjoy cartoons for children. Yeah, and I think uh, we're of course using "grown" here to mean your age, not your uh, not your size. I, you were a small man. See, I had a joke I wanted to insert in there. No pun intended. I can't decide how PG did we want this to be. So, listeners, you'll figure out how raunchy this podcast is at the same time as us. <laughs> we we did not want to put an explicit tag. Is this a uh, family movie or a porno? Who knows? It's definitely not a porno or not <laughs> one that I would want to watch or listen to. I don't know. I think the, the determining factor is whether or not it turns people on. So that's something only you, listener, can tell. I'm so jealous that you are the one who gets to edit these <laughs> because you could edit, like, heavy porn sounds in anywhere right about now. I'm going to cut in the heaviest breathing moments of you and intersperse those throughout every moment where I'm talking. Just a super cut of every time Evan takes a breath oh that's right luke handles the editing evan handles the catering thank you by the way for these uh these spinach puffs delicious they're uh they're pretend i made a really funny emperor's new groove reference right we'll just please just edit in uh that entire part of the emperor's new groove ha 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 oh that turned me on it was so good 
<laughs> okay, so I'm gonna dive right in. Why are we talk? Why are we doing this podcast? Well, for one thing, we've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. This has been a long time coming. Yep. And after a, a lot of brainstorming over the course of more than a year, uh, we decided that Scooby Doo was something that we both knew, enjoyed, and loved. Yeah, I think we and, and I mean that really sincerely. We genuinely we'd started talking about Scooby Doo when we talk on the phone, you know, like about once a week or so. I'd open up, be like, all right, so let's get this hour of Scooby-Doo talking out of the way. Let's just talk about... And it would go for longer. Right. Uh, we do want to address the fact that there are two other Scooby-Doo podcasts online, which really begs the question of why we felt like we needed to add another uh, drop to the bucket that had two drops in it. True enough, because, I mean, my concern is always, I want the people to have the product they need. And if someone else is already making the product, why are we going about, you know, like, retreading that ground? So that's a, that's and, a and fair question. Let me just say that, like, look, I feel like there's always room for more options. Let's say that these two other podcasts are... Uh, uh, you know, like McDonald's and Burger King, and maybe we're in and out. You know, like maybe there's more room. Yeah, out there. absolutely. And I would say, you know, like I might, I might go to Taco Bell on occasion, like going to one of these other podcasts. I might stumble in drunk at one a.m. Uh, you know, my taste buds fried from too much vodka and like flaming Jack, and I'll, I'll get a crunchy taco. But sometimes I'm gonna want, I'm gonna want like a steak burrito at Chipotle, and that's what this podcast is. It's just another option, equal yeah. but better. I'm, I'm not trying to create a comparison and say who has the superior product i just want to say that i personally really enjoy like a double double with a side yeah, of exactly fries. you know that's and me personally everybody's opinion is going to be different you know like some people are going to like you know like cheap crap some people are going to like our podcast and on that note uh, this episode has been brought to you by chipotle <laughs> yes thank you chipotle and taco bell what we're doubling down, yo. And speaking of double downs, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> speaking of doubles, we can get that double-double from In-N-Out. This Scooby Dudes, uh, a deceptively titled podcast about the fast food industry. Yeah, let's talk inventory. Let's talk FIFO. First in, first out. How do you keep your ingredients fresh in the pantry? We only, we only use uh, beef that has been raised without hormones. That's a, that's a really big thing here at A&W. Yeah, definitely. All that to say, I think there's room for a third Scooby Doo podcast. If not room for improvement, room for betterment. We're, we're here to deliver a high quality product. I know that up to this point, it might not be evidence of that, but that's, that's what we're about. A high quality product focused more on Scooby Doo than fast food, believe it or not. Uh, so for, for any of you listeners, who may not know what Scooby-Doo is. <laughs> Why are you listening to this? Yeah, good guy. You must really like us. And that is even more bewildering. Uh, but Scooby-Doo is, is a cartoon uh, that started back in the, the very, very late 60s, early 70s about uh, a bunch of meddling kids and their dumb dog. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we saw it much later than that when we started watching it. I watched Scooby-Doo starting in the 90s. Wait, you you watched these in the 90s? I watched these when they came out. Look, I'm 85. Holy crap. My co-host is an old man, people. I'm very old. After zero episodes to come out with this kind also, of revelation. Also, what, 12 years of friendship? <laughs> that too, 12 years of very close friendship. How long has it been? 2000? Yeah, 12 years, dang. Uh, all those AARP discounts you got at Taco Bell and In-N-Out <laughs> are starting to make sense. That's how I've lived so long. <laughs> okay, I, I want to lay out my, my bona fides for real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. I would say I've seen quite a bit of Scooby-Doo media over the years. I've seen... I'd say almost all of the original series, just catching an episode here, episode there, lots of celebrity yeah. episodes, uh, lots of the feature-length animated movies, all of the feature-length live-action movies, 
Um, I've played video games. I've read Scooby-Doo comics. When I was a kid, I wrote 50 pages of Scooby-Doo fan fiction. So all that, all that to say, I was a huge fan of Scooby-Doo growing up, and I, I didn't even realize that I was a fan. I, it was kind of like being a huge fan of breathing. For me oh, personally? Also, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, really quick. I once ate a piece of a dog treat. So that's great that must have been great for you nope you could not bribe me with that i would not encounter scary situations and stay in them for a treat uh for me personally i hmm. grew up watching scooby-doo it was on uh, i was on cartoon network like the really old school like original series i can also say hmm. completely unironically the scooby-doo movie is one of my favorite movies it's really really good and i am pumped to get to the episode where we cover it ditto that I, I can't wait. Almost forgot to mention, I own the Sco I own the soundtrack for the first Scooby-Doo live-action movie. I own that, and I have listened to every track. Yeah, I mean, you remind me of a man. That's a great song. What man? Man, man with, with the power. power. <laughs> what power? The power of voodoo. All right, guys, we're going to do the whole song. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> here, so, oh. just splice in just the entire, the entire song right here. Oh, but really, Scooby-Doo is such a it's such a wide, expansive, varied series that I would love to do a, an episode just on general Scooby-Doo music, just on the soundtrack for that movie alone, just on Scooby-Doo games or, like I said, comics. There's so much you could do, and it's all interesting. It all builds and enriches the franchise overall. Right, and like I think it should go without saying, Scooby-Doo is like a was a big cultural landmark that still affects a lot of a lot of media today. That alone makes it worth covering. And we're going to do our best, you know, yeah. to, uh, to do that. Absolutely. And in terms of the kind of cultural landmark it was, I mean, I, we all can think of some examples of shows that imitated the Scooby-Doo format after Scooby-Doo came out. But Evan, could you tell us a little bit about, about how Scooby-Doo did come about? What was the context in which this, and we're reviewing the first ever episode of Scooby-Doo here. So what was the context going into this episode? Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? is only the first iteration of the show. There have been several Scooby-Doo cartoons, and chances are that you have seen at least one of them in your life. And we are actually going to be hopping around. Um, this is not just a podcast about Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, this is a podcast about all Scooby-Doo media. I'm glad you mentioned that. You definitely don't have to listen to this podcast in order, because we're just skipping around one place to the other anyways. Go listen to whichever episode you think would hold your interest the most strongly, or whichever episode is from the series that you remember as a kid. So, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? It was the first iteration of Scooby-Doo as a TV show. And it was a result, and I am directly reading from Wikipedia right now, CBS and Hanna-Barbera's plans to create a non-violent Saturday morning program because parents were kind of riled up about the fact that there were a lot of superhero programs on. Yeah, where the plot of the episode is punching all these things or defeating these villains, and this kind of violent slapstick comedy, which appeals to kids in a big way, but not so much to parents. So yeah, essentially, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, which was originally titled Mysteries 5, <laughs> which I love because it sounds like an, inst an installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> mysteries 5. You can see the producers in the room there like, what do kids love about it? They'll love that there's mysteries and that there's five of them. Five is the perfect number for kids. <laughs> there's, there are numbers. Kids love numbers. I think kids will like the talking dog. Can we name it after Scooby-Doo? I think we should name it after Velma. <laughs> Velma and the other four. I mean, it was, it was a big show. Well, what a lot of people uh. don't know is that uh, Scooby-Doo, when it first came out, was so popular that according to the Nielsen ratings, at one point, 65% of America was tuning in to watch this. Better than literally any other show that comes out now. 
Yeah, it's really incredible. I mean, even independent of our own interests and our own background and the nostalgia element with Scooby-Doo, I think it's it's worthwhile to explore how did this get so popular? Why did it capture the entire American mind? It's It really is a, it's an important cultural landmark. Birthmark, even, I'd say. Marky Mark. It's an important cultural Marky Mark. Yes, this is a, <laughs> no, a funky much. I'm going to keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> This is all you, man. I'm out. No, I'm out. Evan, it took so long to get this going. Welcome, welcome to Scooby Dude, no, the no. podcast where Luke talks about Scooby Doo by himself. Fair is fair, uh, but the, I mean, really, it's the idea of creating a show which wasn't based on violent comedy and and lots of physical comedy, nonetheless. Right. So what we are going to do, and I feel like we might as well just jump into it, is this is the first episode of Scooby Doo. Where are you? So season one, episode one. And it is called What a Night for a Night. What a K-N-I-G-H-T for a N-I-G-H-T. Yes. You got those in the right order, I think. Nope. Wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> Scrap it. Start from That's the... It. You know no. what? I, I'm branching out on my own. This is a... Welcome to Scooby Man. Hey, I'm embarrassed to have gotten it wrong, but you thought I got it right, and that is way worse, bro. I wasn't listening. It's understandable. That's pretty fair. Yeah, I'm going to do what our listeners should have done <laughs> and pause this and gone on to listen to our other episodes. It's What a Night... N-I-G-H-T for a oh. K-N-I-G-H-T. What a night for a knight. For a knight, yep. just to make it easier. All puns on this show, we're just going to read out phonetically. I don't think that's how phonetically the works, but uh, just just for you listeners at home. Yes, we're going to get real phonetic. How dare you. So it's the first ever episode of Scooby-Doo. I was excited to watch this. I had seen it before, but a long time ago. So it was interesting seeing it. I mean, just trying to watch it as an engaged adult getting ready to talk about it. On that note, Luke is not engaged. He is married. And I think it would horrify your wife to find out that you don't think that that union took place. No, in my mind, it didn't take place. Yeah, we live together. We're in a loving relationship. I officiated your wedding. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, it means nothing to me. If TSM... No, no. Shut up. Shut up, man. I need her and the five jobs she works to support my podcasting career. Five jobs. I could have gone to five guys. We're back. All right. We need to get to the episode already. It's a what a night for a night. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how this episode opens up? So one thing that I'm going to be doing is uh, reading the synopsis. So what a night for a night. While walking home from the movies... Shaggy and Scooby-Doo discover a black suit of armor in a pickup truck, and the gang deliver it to the local museum. The kids later break into the museum to search for clues, after learning that the archaeologist who is transporting the suit is missing, and they find that the knight's armor has come to life. Alright, let's get into it. Alright, so we, we open up with the theme song. Yeah, I had a nostalgia seizure when that played for the first time. The bats screeching. And- oh, the, the bat sound effect alone is huge. It, it like it hits you right away. It really does. It's so recognizable. It brings me right back. I really think most like rave clubs could just play that instead of selling cocaine. That's better <laughs> than a line of coke off the top of a toilet seat. What a Night for a Night opens up with a knight standing up in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah, and we don't see what happens. There's a guy driving this pickup truck, and then a knight sits up in the bed of the truck way behind, and then we cut. We cut away from well, that. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, it's just the two of them. True enough, and I think they mention a TV show. Did you catch what TV show is referenced in just this episode? You know what? I didn't. Star Dog Ranger of the North Woods. Was that an actual show? 
no, just made up for this. They're walking through and Shaggy's like, you had to watch Star Dog Ranger of the North Woods twice. Oh, that was the movie. That was the movie that they saw. Really unoriginal Balto knockoff. I, I guess, but it's never came back to it. Never again in the series. So what happens is it's established very, very early on that Scooby and Shaggy, they are cowards. They're scared of a frog. They come upon a, a bush that's shaking. There's something in this bush. Most of us would assume teenagers having sex. These guys, maybe that is what they assume, but they're terrified of it. It turns out to be a frog. It's just a frog. We're not going to get into Shaggy's sexuality in this episode. There's, we really have to take an episode just for that. I, f I feel like we can't color any other episode with that. Only on Shaggy's sexuality? Just like an entire episode? We could easily do an episode apiece on each character's sexuality. Right, but would they be good episodes? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't understand what the difference would be, though. But worth noting with the frog, it establishes that Shaggy and Scooby are both cowards, and I think moreover, it establishes the overarching theme that there's frightening, scary stuff here, but it's mostly fear of the unknown. Fear of something that, and kind of unmasking it or revealing it, shows that it's not something to be afraid of. Yeah, there's a really big, like, rationalist message yeah, and, and uh, in, in Scooby-Doo media as a whole. Which I didn't pick up on as a kid, but as an adult, I really appreciate it, I gotta say. Well, you know what? Not even as a whole, and we'll get to that when we get to other uh, other shows. Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Scooby-Doo is varied enough that there is supernatural elements in, uh, in some parts of it. But uh, to keep this episode moving, they scoot around and come upon what Shaggy terms as, hey, look, it's a deserted type pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what model is that? Oh, it's a deserted type. What happens is they find the pickup truck. Now the knight is sitting in the front seat, which is actually kind of spooky. It's kind of scary. It's like, where's the guy? There must have been someone in the knight's costume, but the guy is gone. Maybe dead? So what happens is they look at the box in the back of the pickup, and it has the name Hyde White on it, which leads to my favorite part of this entire episode. Shaggy hilariously quips, I've heard of Hide and Seek before, but I've never heard of Hyde White. Which would have been so much funnier if Shaggy was black. <laughs> and this is the first episode, so they could have done that. Followed up by... By Velma scolding Shaggy by, That's an English name, you idiot. Like Hyde White is the... To an American ear is just garbled nonsense. Right, it's, it's like... Uh, like, Ansley Figgledorp or something. It also establishes Velma there as the most rational, someone, perhaps, of Someone them. who can recognize when names are just names. Yep. Uh, well, gang, it looks like we're up to our armor plates in another mystery, is what they say when they are at the museum, uh, because it turns out that Hyde White is missing. Then we're at the museum, we hear about the legend, there has to be a legend, and the legend is this night comes alive on the full moon. It's, uh, it's magic mystery. You get it. You people get it. Yeah, as it so happens, there was a full moon last night. And I guess there is the day. I don't know how long full moons last. I don't know. I think it's just, I mean, if it looks like a full moon, pro there's a moment probably where it's at its fullest and then it's it's waning after. This is a podcast about moons. Yeah, welcome to the Mooncast. We got a uh, free Five Guys burger on the full moon. I feel so bad that we made that recurring bit for this episode. <laughs> for this series. The fifth episode, we're just going to record it in a Five Guys. Are you not eating Five Guys right now? I'm eating Five Guys.
So the night comes alive on the full moon. That's established right off the bat. One interesting part to note for me is that the curator who tells them of this doesn't do what I think they do in a lot of later episodes, which is say, can you guys help us find the guy who's doing this or help solve this mystery for us? He's just like, well, now you know. Bye. Yeah, and there's always, there's always some sort of crime that's obviously being perpetrated. Even if that crime is these uh, visitors are scared away from a resort. Mm. But the only thing going on here is that there is a missing archaeologist and no one knows what happened to him, and that's it. Yeah. A missing persons report, right? Like, this is literally a job for the police. No, he's not loved, he won't be missed. Really, like, you kids coming here is more trouble than is necessary. Uh, what happens to, to move them along is that Scooby finds a pair of glasses on a lion statue. Yeah. They try to figure out where the glasses are from, I think it's Velma who says, well, there's one way to find out. And then they're at a library. Not like in um, Pawn Stars, where they would go to, like, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, which I thought it was going to be something else. Like, there's only one way to find out. And then it cuts to them in the British Quarter beating <laughs> some cockney dude. No, they go to the library. And then they see that these glasses are made only in England. At which point they say in succession, different people, archaeologists, England. Professor Hyde White. These are, yeah, these glasses are only used by jewelers and, and only in England. So uh, I, I guess we got to go break back into the museum. Yeah, I guess we have to actually not ask someone if we can look for clues in the museum. We need to break in. You know, it, and it's not like, hey, should we, maybe we should just like hide in one of the bathroom stalls and lift our legs up. It's uh, no, we're going to need to break in. Glass should shatter for us to get into this museum. I want property damage. And there is a, there is a lot of it, but what is fascinating to me about this part is that uh, they see a high la a high window and they're like, "Oh, Shaggy, you have to go through." He's like, "Why? You're the thinnest." Which okay, is true. Here's the thing. The w the window is very high. Shaggy does not have a problem climbing up into this high window. They put a ladder against the wall, and he climbs it, and it's not tall enough. And then their solution, even though, like you said, Velma is there, the rational one, is to use a jack to raise the ladder. Some more, some classic Scooby physics. I think uh, they, the mothers must have felt a little bit gypped that they're like, we don't want as much violence on TV, and instead there's just real recklessness. Everyday recklessness. It's like, my kid's never going to get superpowers and go flying around punching people, but he could get access to a ladder. And the, and the jack. And use it irresponsibly. Yeah, like, oh no, we don't want to show fighting, but we will show Scooby chugging bleach. And here's the thing, the ladder still isn't tall enough. And what, I think it's Daphne who says, don't worry, Shaggy's the swingingest gymnast in school, and Shaggy just leaps the remaining five feet. Yeah, which is, like, the writers hit a, hit a block, and they're like, well, who has a special talent we're going to re reveal now? And maybe this comes back later, but I feel like it's a one-episode thing, that Shaggy is the swingingest gymnast in school. And not he was, but he is. So it make, also makes it sound like they're all still in school. Definitely not high school, right? They, they're, like, college-age kids? They, they look quite post-high school. So what happens is they get into the... Oh, yeah, there's a ton of property da damage, like you said. There's that, uh... That joke, I guess it was popular in cartoons back in the day, where you just hear a lot of things breaking on the way down a building. So you can tell that he's breaking things on every floor. As the camera moves with him with each break. And then there's just a pile of stuff. And another classic uh, Scooby-Doo trope is the way that they walk by like a Mesoamerican mask or display. And the camera pulls in tight on the mask itself, and then the eyes move to follow them. Interesting that they uh, introduced that so right off the bat. Along with that, the element of Scooby Snacks, and just as importantly, 
Scooby Snacks negotiation, which is, all right, Scooby, can you stay here and keep watch? Would you do it for a Scooby Snack? I'm not going to do that. How about two Scooby Snacks? Yeah, and that's there from the beginning. That's huge. Like, that... That is basically a recurring bit moving forward uh, without fail. Yeah, which is, I, I again, it's just amazing to me because it seems like the kind of thing that they would implement to keep raising the stakes. Like, this isn't a one Scooby Snack situation. He's going to need two for this one. Right. You'd think at the beginning it would just be the one snack. But yeah, it definitely isn't. So it kind of makes any, any future episode we do where only one Scooby Snack is necessary, not scary. Especially since, especially since the Black Knight is not a huge deal. We're obviously going to focus on the ghouls and the ghosts and the monsters in all these episodes. The Black Knight is just a suit of armor. And what happens when he shows up is that he puts his arms out like a zombie to grab them in that classic Scooby Monster style. Where, where when they escape, he ends up like hugging himself. But what he does is he walks past all of these weapons on the wall. Yeah. Which, which really diminishes his threat <laughs> level in my eyes. I actually think that's a very well-written part of the episode where they establish that this can't be a real knight. A real knight would grab a weapon. Yeah, they're not, it's not a murder. He's just trying to, I guess, grab and hold on to these, these nosy teens. Yeah, no, I think that was actually an extremely well-plotted moment. That was like the, uh, the teddy bear in the pool moment in Breaking Bad. They seeded that in there really carefully. What, what's his name? Vince? Gilligan? Oh, it is Vince Gilligan. Yeah, like Vince Gilligan. He, he took notes. Yeah. If you think about it, Breaking Bad would not exist without Scooby-Doo. I think Breaking Bad is a direct descendant of Scooby-Doo. I mean, in the first season, there's that pit bull who the one drug dealer has. But I think he even calls him Scooby. Je- Jesse, obviously Shaggy. So, sorry, who, who is Walter exactly? Fred. He's got to be Fred. And I think we all know the meth is the Scooby snacks. You know what? That's the strongest argument you have so far. (laughs) This is all terrible. I hope you edit all of this out. Anytime you say that, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to keep it in. Please don't. (laughs) I'm serious. So let's keep the episode moving. Scooby uh, negotiates for some Scooby snacks. They separate out. We're, we're, We're talking about bits like the Scooby snacks. Another one is that Velma's glasses get knocked off, and then she has to crawl around on the floor looking for them. Very classic. The knight then trips over her as she's looking for her glasses, and... He falls into stocks. Yeah, he gets locked in some stocks. And uh, Velma, with her glasses off, thinks, Oh, Shaggy tripped over me. This is Shaggy right here. I don't have glasses, therefore I am literally blind and probably deaf. Well, here's the thing. She's not deaf because she can hear the knight making those classic monster growls, Please insert a monster growl here. Um, so she says, Shaggy, I told you to take care of that cold. I'll give you some medicine. And here's where this goes completely off the rails. Shaggy shows up. The knight is still in the stocks. Velma has her glasses on her face. She gives Shaggy the medicine, not the knight. Which is what the implication was. What she thinks is Shaggy has fallen into the stocks. She's about to get some medicine because Shaggy's voice is weird. Shaggy walks up. Velma's glasses are magically on her face. And then she gives it to this dude who is not where she thought Shaggy was. And, and I don't know. Maybe the animators messed up and she was meant to not have her glasses on. But the obvious gag is that she feeds medicine to a suit of armor yeah but then she she just gives it to shaggy it's mind-boggling and it's you know what it's funny when you think like oh gosh they were still getting their feet under them but you did it's very noticeable for how much other stuff they do get quite right we were i was talking earlier about how this is supposed to be a non-violent show it's supposed to be very like pg or g Mm. but what happens is 
they're, they're looking for clues, and Daphne sees some red stuff on the ground, and she says, well, if that's pause blood, second pause, that's a clue. And it gets really dark for a second because, and you might not remember, but this is a missing persons case. Professor Hyde White, yeah, it's still gone. Professor Hyde White. And they follow the trail of paint to what they refer to multiple times, infuriatingly for me, a mummy case. <laughs> I think sarcophagus was a bit of a reach for the kids listening at the time. Yeah. Look, later, I know this for a fact, but later episodes will refer to them as sarcophagi. But at this point in 1969, mummy case is where we were at. Yeah. The interesting fact, they never actually say coffin. They only say dead box <laughs> throughout the whole series. <laughs> but no, there is that. It is a weirdly dark moment. I can't think of another episode where they even see something they think is blood because that's such a violent image. And especially that Fred crouches down and gets a bit on his finger and then rubs it together. And then with an air of what I read as disappointment, he said, no, it's just paint. <laughs> and to back up one second to go along with Fred, there, there was the classic element of Fred says, you guys go that way. Me and Daphne are going over here to the the ancient bed exhibit listeners there was no ancient bed exhibit <laughs> that was a joke but the reason moments like this is the reason that people have been maybe a little dubious about the child friendliness of scooby-doo i mean it's sort of I, you if you watch this first episode you would not be at all out on a limb to assume that fred and daphne are together because at when fred says we'll go this way you go that way daphne has one arm behind his back and like another hand on his chest is that true that is true she's like because she's kind of yeah standing with like a delicate hand on his chest she's kind of clinging to him in a way that could be like we're together or it could be like i'm a little scared Thinking back to this episode, to me, there's no chemistry between Fred and Daphne. I, I feel like Fred says things that make you think that maybe they're hooking up, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of a lot of attraction coming from either side. Oh, I, I think that the lack of contact between the two of them shows that they're effing. They're trying to keep it on the DL. Uh, like Scooby and Shaggy, tons of dialogue. You can tell they haven't hooked up yet. Fred and Daphne, they have, and they're trying to keep it secret. Well, see, here's so. the thing. I feel like now that we're laughing, you won't edit it out. That's why it makes me not want to laugh at any of these. I know you'll keep them. Okay, I'll edit it out. I'll edit it out. <laughs> Fine. But anyway, aside from all of that, they managed to get away while the, the night is in the stocks. And, uh, and they have the moment where Scooby goes for a dinosaur bone, because it's a bone and he's a dog. Yeah, dogs eat bones. That's how cartoons used to be, is that, yes, cats drink milk, dogs eat bones. That's all they do. And, uh, well, he grabs a bone off of this T-Rex that's set up, and the whole thing falls down, obviously. But in the one moment of making it right they've done this episode, he throws all the bones up in the air, and they stack perfectly back into the T-Rex. What happens is they, they follow the paint to... A room behind the mummy, the mummy box, the mummy yes, case. Yes, the wrapped dead person container. It it appears, it appears that there is a whole forgery setup. <sighs> Obviously, Hyde White being missing is a crime and a bad thing, but this appears to be the actual elaborate crime that's been set up. Someone is forging paintings in the museum. What's the motivation here? Now we kind of know. We see one classic painting and another half-done imitation of it. Okay, yeah, definitely forging paintings. They need to keep the place clear for this for some reason. And again, it's it's so weird how all of this is happening because the knight shows up again. But at this point, 
they have to know that the knight is not a haunted suit of armor because there's a forgery operation going on. Uh, maybe he is a haunted suit of armor, but he's haunted by his inability to recreate the work of the old masters. There, there's a lot going on. And again, similar to this episode of this podcast, it is very loose and they are still trying to get their footing. Uh, our favorite gag, listeners, you'll hear us mention this time and time again, is when the monster is trying to attack them. And Scooby and Shaggy mm. put on, like, an elaborate ruse. And it's so off-putting, the monster has to play along with it. Yeah, and in this case, it's that uh, Scooby pulls up a, a palette and a, uh, a board to paint on and starts painting the monster. They haven't quite perfected the gag yet in this episode because in the classic gag, the monster buys in. Right, exactly. He would pose and ham it up because he's having a portrait drawn of him. And when you're having a portrait drawn of you, what can you do but pose? The monster would pose and ham it up. And so it's like they create this social situation that the monster is pressured into. But here the monster just kept growling as Scooby. Scooby, he squirts paint onto the easel and then that monster. Yeah. And then he runs away. They've, they've got half of the equation, but not the whole thing at this stage. Do you remember when I mentioned that Shaggy was the swinging? gymnast in school oh i'll never forget what what happens uh later as they hide from the knight who again they know could not possibly be an actual haunted suit of armor shaggy says maybe my ventriloquism can get us out of this jam and then he uses his ventriloquism so not only is shaggy someone who can like leap five feet vertically from a ladder atop a jack but he's a ventriloquist as well which kind of establishes him in the first episode. And I don't, I don't think they stick with this. They don't take this as far as it could go. They definitely, I don't think he keeps throwing his voice in later episodes. I, I've heard that that does happen a little bit later on. Could be wrong. I think my little sister said it does. The swinging as gymnast thing, I definitely don't think that's the case. But, I mean, just in this episode alone, they definitely use Shaggy as the, what talent do we right. need someone to have? And, and it's weird that he's so talented that shaggy can just do stuff in this episode maybe that's they're trying to establish that's the reason why they keep him around is because he's got these useful uh, skills i thought it was because he was like friends with scooby right like anyway so yes shaggy throws his voice and with the property damage that's already taken place as they run into the relic room and they're running past all these valuable pieces of human history you get a little i got a little nervous like what are they gonna f up now and what they f up is uh scooby and shaggy are hiding in a in a biplane and yeah. Shaggy accidentally turns it on, and then they start to fly this plane indoors in a museum. And they eventually, and and the crowd. Sorry, I should have mentioned this a long time ago. Uh, this was at a point in time where laugh tracks were very popular. Oh yeah, there's there's a laugh track for every pun, every visual gag. For for them flying the plane indoors specifically, the crowd loses it. They like they think it's the funniest thing. Yeah, I forgot how hard the laugh track was there. But yeah, it went, it, they gave it up for that moment. But what happens is they they end up flying the plane, which like they snap the wings off and then crash it. But they crash it into the night, and that's how they catch the night. And again, there are so many ways. There are so many ways that this is classically Scooby Doo, and so many ways in which this isn't because it's a complete accident. It's very chaotic how they how they catch him there's no plan normally fred comes up with a plan yeah even if that plan falls apart and it's by accident that they catch him there's at least a plan in place they've set up for the monster here there was no plan at all like, they were just running away and they just got lucky you could make the argument that since they were just starting out this is maybe them being a little bit inexperienced at the job because they're just they look for clues they do a lot of hiding and running away 
Except that much earlier on, remember, they said that, oh, this is another mystery. Mm. Yep, Fred specifically says, looks like we got another mystery, gang. So they catch the night. And here's, okay, this is the biggest, there are two last big classic Scooby-Doo moments. One is done in a way that upends the trope, which is great. And the other is weird that it doesn't happen because they unmask the night and they say, just as we thought, it's the curator, Mr. Wickles who is the only person they've spoken to in this whole episode. Yeah, it was a, not a real big cast of characters to wonder at. But Mr. Wickles notably does not say, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids and your dumb dog. No, in fact, he says, such is my just reward for my sins. Please cuff me, Mr. Police Officer. And they lead him to a uh, antique guillotine still right in the museum. <laughs> Slip his head in. <laughs> they kill her. And they kill him. That's the what... final shot is the blood splattering Scooby-Doo's face. <laughs> he looks on in horror. And then his tongue comes out and, like, <laughs> licks it off, you know? It does that move where it wipes off like a, like a windshield wiper. All of all, it gets licked up. <laughs> oh, now that part, I will edit out. Well, do you remember Mr. Wickles saying anything? I don't. I remember nothing. He was, you know, to his credit, he was a good villain because he was the least memorable person. But he was the only other person besides Hyde White. Not a great mystery this time. Uh, for one thing, the villain and the guy missing were both professor, museum pers staff, personnel people. And it was a hard time keeping one straight from the other. I mean, it's like a 20-minute episode, whatever, but... Uh, not not the tightest mystery. And here's the thing. I, it, it's, it's troubling to me that, from my recollection, Wickles doesn't say anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Because he's knocked out because they hit him with a plane. I guess that explains it. If you've been hit by a plane, you're allowed to stay silent. Yeah, that's true. They, when Scooby pulls off the mask, he's just unconscious. Uh, unconscious. Unconscious. But normally the villain will rage against his captors. What happens instead is the gang, I mean, the gang elaborates fully to the police officers who show up that Hyde White was kidnapped because he was the only one who could recognize uh, that the paintings were forgeries, which I think is decent. You know, like, that's not bad. Fair enough. Although it, how it ties in with the jewelers and the glasses, they could have tied it in a little bit tighter. For the level of enthusiasm that Fred kicks out when he's like, boy, it was a neat setup. He sounds thrilled, like he's almost disappointed it's done. Fred's disappointed about a lot of things that may or may not be like a running theme for his character. Yeah, I think there's something dark. There's a Heisenberg deep underneath that uh, that Walter White of Fred. I Here's the thing. I thought you were going to edit out that Breaking Bad part, but the fact that you're referencing it makes me think you're not going to. Let me be clear. I want you to edit out both that part and this part with you referencing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I'm definitely, definitely okay. gonna edit it out. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm not gonna say please do. I, but like, okay. The, the thing that I found fascinating about this episode, in terms of one of the ga one of the, one of the, the tropes being sort of overturned that I was saying, was that they, they passed by the mask, and they did it twice in this episode where the eyes followed them, and normally they are in a spooky mansion. The eyes follow them and the eyes belong to the ghost or the villain or whatever. Yeah. In this case, the eyes belong to Hyde White. The man who's been kidnapped, who was tied up and had this historical outfit draped over him to hide him. I, I want to point out that this guy, he had a blindfold, not a blindfold, he had a, a gag on. Was he, Were his legs tied up at all? I don't think so. And I think just, it's fun to imagine, like, what, has he been gone for a couple of days? The janitor just cleans up the daily puddle of pee underneath him. 
Yeah, what I, what I can see here is he he had several lengths of rope wrapped around the upper part of his body. Mm. It doesn't show his legs, but regardless, you would think that he would try to notify passerbys. Passersby. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't touch on it very specifically in this episode, but I think he'd had like a, a length of steel jammed in his spine <laughs> to paralyze him. I think that was an unspoken fact of the episode. That he uh, he could only blink. It was kind of a diving bell and butterfly situation. All things, whoa, deep cut. Oh. All things considering, I found it very clever. You know, like they they hid they hid the person they were looking for in plain sight, and they sort of used this. Ooh, is that the you know is there like a second ghost in this episode? They kind of inserted that in there, and I I like that a lot. Like I was a, I was a big fan of it. I completely agree. I think it is interesting that they subverted the trope before they'd even established the trope. Subvert. Yeah, there you go. So mm-hmm. that was very interesting. And and I don't I don't know if this is obviously the first ever episode of Scooby Doo. I don't know if the eyes behind the painting were big in animation leading up to it, but everybody remembers that as being a Scooby Doo thing. Yeah, and it's hard to hard to say. I'm sure when we get into a bit more when more episodes and more specifically on some of these things, we'll figure out where the origin was. And some of the times, I'm sure it's going to be the fact that Scooby Doo just did it a lot and did it well. And put it in front of enough people. And that nobody remembers these other cartoons. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody remembers Goober and the Ghost Chasers. (laughs) I don't even know if you're for real on that. No, I'm reading it off of this, reading it off of this list. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. A show that I did watch a little bit of, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, uh, which was really bad. Ooh, that Um, sounds familiar. And had a really weird premise. It, It was a... He was a caveman who looked like Cousin It, except, like, his, his naked, like, arms and legs stuck out and, like, his nose um, and eyes. And he was, like, a superhero caveman. Huh. Like, he had, like, a cry. He would say, like, Captain Caveman. And then he would, like, hit people with clubs and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a weird show. I, and, and that's the thing. None of these have lasted. No, look, they're not going to do a dark and gritty reboot of Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. You know, even as you say that, and even as I'm about to say, like, no way, I can, I can imagine the producers in the room right now talking that over. Inch High Private Eye was about a miniature detective, literally one inch high, who enlisted the help of his niece and, his, and her muscle-bound friend Gator and their dog Braveheart to solve mysteries. Like, this is how low, pun not originally intended, pun intended now that I realize it, Th- these are these are the depths that people sank to trying to mimic Scooby-Doo. And I guess really we've covered the episode itself. The most notable thing for me is just how competent Shaggy is in this episode. Hmm. Depending on the iteration of, and what you're watching, these characters are not the most uh, multidimensional. Shaggy in particular is just a scared guy who likes to eat food. But here you can see that he's this wingless gymnast and he's a ventriloquist and he's useful and like and he does stuff. That was felt very off to me. Hmm. Yeah, I think that they did give Shaggy definitely the most colorful personality this time. And I think from merit of having really good voice acting on his part and most of the puns coming from Shaggy, he stays a, uh, a colorful character down the road. But here they, they really fed him a lot of neat stuff. They gave him so much and, and as a result, Fred so little that it's weird that they even need Fred there at all. It is. And for me, that's interesting. I'd say for how much a fan favorite Shaggy is and how much I identify as a Shaggy personality-wise, Fred, I think, at this stage, is actually my favorite character. Okay, can you elaborate for my sake and the listeners? 
partly be cool scooby-doo which we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about that later but in be cool scooby-doo fred is hilarious we're going to i want to say we're gonna try to put that off for as long as possible just because yeah. once we start doing episodes about that show we might never stop yeah everything is going to be about that show but for the fact that fred is he's fascinating he's the one that actually is into the mysteries he's the one who's driving everybody literally and figuratively fred is the one who who touches the what he thinks is blood yeah he is i mean what kind of man does that and rubs it in between his fingers and then says like a kid finding coal in his stockings <laughs> it's just paint that i mean his relationship with daphne i want to know what happens does he talk about his boyfriend with daphne his beard hey man, everybody wore uh cravats back in the day is that what they're called or neckerchief yeah neckerchief everybody wore those back in the day like in Hanna-Barbera cartoons specifically Cartoon Network had this one I loved it back in the day they would animate their characters together in stuff Hmm. in one of them it was Fred and two other guys from two other uh, shows and they all took their neckerchiefs off and like hit them together for some (laughs) sort of like magic thing so yeah it was like a big thing back in the day like you just had a neckerchief but all that to say, I think Fred is hilarious as a straight man in uh, in Scooby-Doo in general, especially in the later iterations. And uh, and overall, I just feel that uh, his voice acting work is very distinct. I guess for Shaggy to be the interesting one, you need more of a vanilla white bread guy to balance him out and to contrast him. I agree. And uh, I guess to talk about characters a little bit and how they all appear here at the first episode... I, uh, I think it's great they had two guys, two girls, and a dog. Gender-wise, a very egalitarian setup. I want to say that we should have mentioned a lot earlier on who the characters were. I feel like people, you really ought to effing know this, people. Well, you got Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, D-O-O. He's a great thing. Yeah. He talks, but he talk. most of his, like, words begin with R's. Roro Raggy. Roro Raggy is, is, if anybody was going to mimic Scooby-Doo, that's what they, they'd say. To this day, I think people uh, imitate dogs talking sometimes by saying that, just because that's the way Scooby does it. Uh, Shaggy is Scooby's best friend. His best pal, his best buddy, I think is what he says. And he is a hippie? I mean, he's voiced by uh, by Casey Kasem, uh, who did for years and years the America's Top 40 or American Top 40 hits. He was a radio DJ, so like a really distinct voice. But and, and interestingly about Casey Kasem is that he doesn't know anything about hippie culture, but he tried to portray Shaggy as a hippie. Uh, he wears he wears brown bell bottoms and a green shirt. He's got a little bit of a goatee. Uh, next on the list is I would say Velma. Uh, Velma is the smart, nerdy one. She's got kind of a, a short bob haircut. Chunky black glasses. Yep, chunky black glasses. Uh, she wears a uh, a relatively short red pleated skirt. Maroon? Like a, kind of like a maroon skirt? Yeah, kind of a maroon. Uh, knee-high socks with uh, s- slippers. And like a shapeless, a shapeless orange sweater. Really frumpy, shapeless orange turtleneck sweater. Interesting thing about Velma, she's probably the most commonly portrayed as sexy nowadays. She is heavily fetished nowadays. I think because she plays into the nerd, quiet librarian type, and because there's all this mystery of what's underneath that giant frumpy sweater. You would be surprised it's breasts. <gasps> Ruh-roh! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Daphne is the conventionally hot one. She wears a lot of purple. She's a redhead. She's got a green headband. She will get captured a lot moving forward. 
and she typically pairs off on Fred's instruction with Fred, who is the ringleader of the group. He drives the mystery machine, their interestingly painted van. He's he's blonde. He's got kind of like the all-American. He's just like an all-American, good-looking guy. Yeah, he looks like if the Hardy Boys had a son <laughs> together between them. He looks like he'd be the product in that he has an insatiable appetite for mysteries. That's the worst description of someone. If if these two brothers bore progeny. Yes. He looks like the product of same-sex incest. I just called him handsome. I stand by and it. And that's what you follow that up with. He's very handsome. Yeah, you know, like the kind of handsome that... That genetic inbreeding results in. Homoerotic right, incest would produce. Okay. All right, yeah. Uh, and that's it. Uh, along with that... There are lots of additional Scooby-Doo regulars, side characters, mostly relatives of Scooby, who I'm not crazy about. Not all of whom I'm actually familiar with. Friggin Scrappy-Doo may be the one that is most popular, if I can use that word. I think, yeah, Scrappy-Doo is the one that's the most, probably the most common appearing as well. Although I know there's Scooby-Dumb, his dumb cousin. He has a Scooby-Hollywood hot cousin. Wait, does he really? <laughs> Yeah, like like a hot female cousin who's in Hollywood, and but those are the those are the primary characters. We're gonna see these five in just about every Scooby series. Although I think there are a few of just Scooby and Shaggy. All right, uh, so this is gonna be something you have to cut out as well. Uh, I got maybe like fifteen ish minutes. Okay, fifteen ish minutes. Wow, like a third of an episode of Breaking Bad. Okay, you need to cut that part out. You need to cut this part <laughs> out too. We need to cut that part out, put it in a separate Audacity file, and then cut it out of there, too. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so final thoughts about the episode. One big question I've got. What is it about this first episode that so captured the minds and hearts of America? And I, by that, I mean North America, because I think this also had a lot of penetration into Canada and Mexico also. Uh, really enjoyed Scooby-Doo. I think they watched it and it was a real ay 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 moment. They were like, rapido, rapido, give us another episode of this. I can't even, I can't even talk about our Mexican listeners because this is our first episode. I now know we will not have any moving forward. <laughs> oh gosh, cutting all of that out. Common theme of our episode, us saying that we're going to cut it out. It being two and a half minutes long by the end. I really want... Yeah, you really should cut a lot of this out. <laughs> we'll see. But, okay, just to get back to the question, what is it about this first episode that at least puts it on a trajectory for greatness, even if this wasn't the point at which everyone's like, we gotta see more of this? I think the premise is just deceptively simple, which is that it's teens and they're talking dog and they solve mysteries. You boil it down to that and anything else you add, any embellishments, at its core it works. Yeah. You can describe it to anyone and they'll be like, okay, that makes that makes sense. You you can watch any episode and you'll be able to tune in immediately at any point in the episode and you'll know what's going on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think as the show goes on, we see, I think it's incredibly unique because there's a different setting every time. It always feels like an adventure because they're always in a new place exploring a new setting and new monster. It, like you say, you can drop into any episode. And if you do want to watch a whole bunch in a row, you don't get some of the sameness. The shifting setting is definitely a pretty insightful thing to point out. Yeah, it's something new, but it's but there's a deep familiarity. Something we both noticed is that it had some great production quality. The music, for instance, was just top notch. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. I, I know that there's a lot of nostalgia value as we were as we were talking about the theme song. But yeah, the actual way um, that they scored the episode as a whole is, yeah, it's, a, it's some high-quality stuff. 
I mean, just like the Harry Potter theme song instantly brings you back. The, uh, -na 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 -na, that I was like, oh, we're getting in it. There were a surprisingly large amount of music cuts like that in this first episode, in addition to just sound effects like the running in place and then scooting off all at once and the, fl the tripping over and the... Uh, just the many sound gags were really cleanly produced and uh, and really satisfying. As a kid, I remember that was a big part of the satisfaction, was just all the physical comedy, the visual comedy, and the good sound effects. Yeah, so that was it. That was that was What a Night for a Night. Uh, that was season one, episode one of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Yeah, I, I'd say I quite enjoyed this episode, watching it a couple times through. I'm excited for the next episode, and I hope uh, all of our listeners enjoyed... I enjoyed this uh, this first episode of our podcast, which I hope is not the first one you listen to. Yeah, I hope you tune back in. Things must, like, they have to get better. <laughs> I like, it's, what is it going to do? Get worse? No, Knowing you, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a possibility. I'm not going to say it's not possible for a Scooby-Doo podcast to be worse than this, <laughs> because I've listened to it. Oh, but seriously, tune back in for more uh, Five Guys coupons, more Breaking Bad discussion. Okay, don't... Um, <laughs> the fact that you're bringing up Breaking Bad makes me think you're not cutting out the two previous references <laughs> to Breaking Bad. I'm going to put more Breaking Bad references in there. I would really appreciate it if every time you said Breaking Bad, you just cut in a monster noise, and then that was it. And so the audience, I keep it all in, but the audience doesn't know what I'm referring to, only to know there's something that wasn't funny, that didn't land, that they're now being saved the trouble of. I would actually love that, like, because I know, look, you're going to have to cut out, like, minutes of this, like, maybe, like, two to three minutes at a time, and if you just cut in random sound effects... That'd be great. That could be, like, the thing. That can be, like, a thing for this oh, podcast. For real. But, I mean, like, so much of this podcast, we, we haven't decided on just yet. This is, this is the first episode. We've got a lot of what we want to do in mind, but uh, there's so many places we can go from it. We've got ideas of guests we want to have on, special episodes we want to do. I, I'm just really excited to see where we're going to go from here, and I hope that what few listeners we have at this stage are also excited for it. Yeah, this, is, this is a journey for us. And we hope that you will let us uh, drag you along. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm ready. Are you willing? <laughs> it was that bad. It was that bad. <laughs> that's, that's the most silent moment of my life. <laughs> I, I saw Evan's... Inching his mouse up to the X in the corner of the screen. I could see, see you doing that. That was episode one of our podcast, uh, Scooby Dudes. We were actually, we're pretty floored that you, uh, that you put up with the two of us for close to an hour. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of time to listen to us. I cannot listen to us for that long. I barely could listen to you for as long as it took to record, and I was tuning me out completely. Luke kind of just, uh, he sits there with his, uh, with his fingers in his ears, and he just talks. And surprisingly enough, we managed to sync up pretty well. And I'm, I'm amazed at how well you kept your thoughts, given that when I plug my ears and talk, I do very loud sim noise. Just nonsense. <laughs> so thank you to our listeners, and especially thank you to our donors and patrons who kept the, uh, kept the lights on. So Patreon, that is a service where you can sign up, uh, give us a few of your hard-earned dollars a month, uh, and we'll give back. And right now we're just going to spotlight, in no particular order, the fine individuals who decided to uh, 
to help us out a little bit. That's right. A couple of shout outs to all of our donors. You're all equal in our eyes, regardless of how much you donated. So just to kick things off, uh, thanks, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, thanks, pal. Yeah. Um, cool. After that, uh, I want to thank Eric, who is a person who I love like a brother. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks, I guess. Um, Chihan? Uh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. That's. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, man, look, I really appreciate the support. I will see you later tonight. We're going to have a great time. And Sam. Sam is uh, not only our donor, but our artist, who you should definitely check out on the Scooby-Doo's website. Thank you, Sam. She's the first featured artist. She's done all of the background art for ScoobyDudes.com. She deserves all the praise in the world. And uh, and Garrett. Yeah. Wow, Garrett. Pretty. I mean, thank you, man. That's uh, That's really nice of you. Garrett, congratulations on the twin baby boys. And Marilyn. Marilyn, thank you. I mean, wow. You were our first donor. Which uh, we're floored by. We're just overcome with gratitude. Thank you so much, Marilyn. Uh, I think the name that I have here, it says a... Uh, it's a Margie Doty. It says Linda Young. Thanks, Mom. It's, it's my wow. mother. I think it's my mom. No, my mother gave to this podcast. And and if it's not too much to say, I think she put your mother to shame. Please, oh. please oh, still wow. invite me over for Christmas. Thank you, Emily. Emmy, you... Uh, Oh, gosh, your donation means by far the most to us, regardless of how big it was. But it meant the most. You are you are the, what is it, like, the, the light of our eyes? That doesn't seem like an expression. You are the wind beneath my wings. You are the old spice beneath my armpits. Just beneath, not on your armpits. Just I don't like the way it feels on my armpits. It, it's like a gun holster. So thank you to all of our donors. You all you have these holsters and you just put old spice in them. I mean, really, you're making this website possible. This is a passion project of ours that costs us a pretty penny to put out there. And this makes it much easier. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Again, if you go to patreon.com slash Scooby Dudes, uh, you could be one of those people. Uh, we're trying to give back a lot of content for what you give. We're just trying to make it worth it. Check it out. If you want to get a shout out on the podcast, if you want to hear our episodes a day early, get some sweet merch, check out some cool bonus bonus content scooby dudes patreon is the way to do it and where else can you find us online hit us up hit us up in other places on the internet on obvious places twitter where we are at the scooby dudes you can check us out on facebook nice and simple just scooby dudes facebook.com slash scooby dudes and possibly most importantly just because it gives you um the full scooby dudes experience hit up our website scoobydudes.com s-c-o-o-b-y-d-u-d-e-s.com you are robbing yourself of a great experience if you don't go to this website look if you go there not only can you listen to the podcast you can check out screen caps where we have put our own captions our own little spin a little bit of value add there you can check out some amazing art on our website the title card art for our episodes is insane uh and lastly we just want to hype you up because this was the first episode believe it or not we do have a second episode in the pipe. To check out episode two of Scooby-Dudes, season three, episode nine of the Scooby-Doo show, I think the neatest episode we've recorded yet. And look, that neatness starts with the name. Ah, oh, the name. We saw the name. We knew we were going to have to record on it. What's that name? It is Make a Beeline Away from That Feline. Make a Beeline Away from That Feline. Just take my recommendation for it. That is a fascinating episode Look, we're gonna go out on a limb episode two even better than episode one tune back in next week for more scooby dudes content that we are overjoyed to get to bring to you all right thank you so much once again uh, i just want to say i uh i really love you guys i love you evan i really love all of you listeners i love i thank love you, so you evan. thank you so much for listening i love you guys evan you're my best friend i love you too all right that's it this outro is over <laughs> bye <laughs>